Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We will now move on to the next section, which is, well, it seems to be the go-to phrase at the moment. John's named this, make it last all night, discussing the, the 80s Bond films. And if we can do anything, we can make chatting last all night. So same gag repurposed uh, by a few of us now. Uh, we do like to go on. I'm going on in this intro. Right. So this is basically our love for John Glenn, who we've interviewed, of course. Timothy Dalton, you might not have picked that up by now. And the different episodes and interviews we've been involved with this year. So we've had Carrie, we had uh, going over Carrie's amazing book. And if you haven't read that, mm. buy it. It's brilliant. Uh, he disagreed with something that ate him, which is an analytical look Superb. at the two Timothy Dalton films. And that was really, like I said before, getting the con. Oh, there it is. Free advertising for those on video. Uh, you probably want to know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, just sort of looking at the films more like they were at the time and things that you wouldn't realise. Uh, David <coughs> Steams has got it as well. Thank Harris you, David. Harris. Look at all this, carry. The royalties must be sweeping in at the moment. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> great, <laughs> great to see you, Carrie. Um, and we'll, yeah. Thank you for joining us this evening. Well, you know, it's 50-50 because I'm actually, I, I haven't booked my tickets for No Time to Die yet because... I'm right at the tail end of COVID, which I've just oh. had the last week. So I, I tested positive on Sunday, but I got ill on Friday. And so I have hauled myself <laughs> from the gurney just for you guys. I am painkillered up to the eyeballs. Now I'm fine, but I've had, a, I've had a, a fun week of sleeping and doing nothing, which is, is good preparation. Don't, don't worry, I'm, I'm cool, Deb. Thank you. Well, I mean, um, you, and then you end up winning a quiz that you weren't even involved in. <laughs> well, but I didn't get a quiz on, on the podcast I did, and I was very disappointed because oh, I yeah. bloody studied for hours. <laughs> I had gone through all that, sorts yeah. of random crap for that, and uh, you didn't give me one, so yeah. that was disappointing. But no, it it was it was great to to, to talk to you and, and to your podcasts are, 
just so much fun and the, the thing that I'm getting out of what lots of people are saying here and I think is true of the Bond community and I think it was I think it was maybe George or somebody else said it is that you can have a conversation in the Bond community that's about love for the franchise not hatred for the people who don't like something so it's a it is a weird franchise if you stand back and look at the the tones of it and the context and how it's changed but I, I love that because there's almost like I can watch a Bond film with any mood I ever have well and that's brilliant it is, isn't it? It is, and this is what we want—a place of love. I will just do one cheap gag. You've managed to, you know, you've got COVID. You're not well. You've managed to turn up, but did you know that Daniel Craig did nine months of filming with a broken leg? I, I, it's not like anywhere near that good, mate. Come on. No, it's not. I only found that out. I watched the, that documentary the other day. I've not listened to your podcast on it. I'm very sorry. No, um, well, but I do have a side effect. Gert, Gert said. Gert's asked about patient. side effects. I'll. I can't taste a damn thing. Oh. So I got some beer in the fridge, especially for this. I got some Heineken. I thought I'd do a bit of cross promotion <laughs> oh, for the brand. <laughs> and the pointless, I'm just drinking water. I, I've just nothing. Oh, it's, oh. This is should be a Bond villain thing, though. He has absolutely no sense of taste, like um, Renard. Yeah. Rob Renard, Robert Carlyle, who has no yeah, yeah. sense of touch, so no sense of taste or something. So he just goes around <laughs> licking James Bond, or I don't know what he would do. I don't know what you would do with that, but <laughs> there's, there's options. Well, lovely. World is not enough reference. That's what we want. We'll be discussing that later. Yeah, thank you, Carrie. And we've also got here ITV Steve Clamp. Good evening, Steve. Hello, guys. This has been great fun. I've, I've got in from work at uh, it was about eight o'clock and I just joined and I've just been laughing ever since at, uh, at everything. So it's really nice to be here and great to see you all. And uh, yeah. there's a lot of you guys. Obviously, I've, I've, I was a guest on one of the podcasts. So I've virtually met uh, obviously a couple of you and I've, I've chatted to a few, but there's a lot of faces here I'm seeing having heard voices usually in my gym where I tend to listen to the podcast. I don't know what my neighbours think. In the summer, I've had the door wide open in the gym. Most people in the gym might have, you know, pop tunes on or rock or something. And there I am, you guys, <laughs> whittering on for the eighth yeah. hour about the world is not enough. Yeah, so. Rob, Rob's laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah Rob's laugh. Yeah, all my neighbours all my neighbors think I'm great fun because they think I'm laughing. I don't realise I can ever laugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, we had Steve on. I think we were talking about the Living Daylights soundtrack which is just incredible isn't it and we didn't know that there were people out there who loved this and, and sort of grew up listening to this music and watching these Bond films yeah it was so good to sort of share that love with you Steve yeah and it, and it, it is great and do you know what I, I'll just chip in to, to podcasts in general which I only got I funny I got into podcasts about two years ago when I was contacted out the blue to be a guest on, on another podcast talking about Never Say Never Again, strangely. Oh. And, uh, and then that triggered me to start looking at podcasts. And, and then I found you guys, which was, which was one of the, I guess it was probably a year ago I came across you. And, and then we obviously ended up in touch. And I, I've loved it. But what I think is brilliant about podcasts, and this is coming from someone who obviously works in television, is that what you can do, uh, your John Glenn one is probably my favourite so far because I just adore everything John Glenn did. You can really give him the time that I want you to give him. And, and obviously, if you're a broadcaster like myself, let's say for some reason we interviewed John Glenn, which would be a dream and, and hasn't sadly happened so far. But if, if we did for whatever reason for our programme, he would get three or four minutes on the show because we know that most of the public won't care that much. Uh, but you guys, it's the dream ticket, really, because you're appealing to people like me and, and everyone else who's on here tonight. 
and you can give them the time he deserves. I remember when GoldenEye came out, and I used to buy Empire magazine, and they did loads and loads on GoldenEye, but it still wasn't enough because I wanted I wanted everything, you know what I mean? And, and it's like that's where podcasts really shine because you can talk, I say to the niche, there's obviously millions of Bond fans, but you can really target them. And then for people like me, it's an absolute joy. And, and to talk to you guys, I mean, who would think that I would listen to a podcast about the world is not enough that is actually longer than the pre-title sequence of the world is not enough. <laughs> but I, I did and I loved it. <laughs> oh, brilliant, Steve. Absolutely brilliant. Right. Also in this section, you know, she technically started it, but Glenn Standish and Glenn, we had you on quite a while ago talking about, and well, one of our favourite Bond films on the Man- on the Manchester Secret Service, and that was a that was a real treat. And you're, if anyone didn't know, there is a fourth pickup brother called James, and Glenn was at school with James. So it, is James even weirder than us? I think. <laughs> yeah, that's how I basically got involved in this. Is that um, James basically just uh, recommended me this uh, podcast, and that's that's basically how I got involved. And. Uh, you know, you had me on one of the one of the shows, and that was fantastic. We were talking about on a Majesty Secret Service soundtrack, and also the soundtrack to Skyfall as well. A bit of a contrast, those two. Um, and I was actually in England at the time, literally just down the road from the school where I first met James. So, <laughs> but tonight I'm live from Poland. Oh, yeah, in- international edition again. It's, it's brilliant, and thanks for the people who are. I don't know, goodness knows what time it is in some of these countries, but I really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, Glenn, it was uh, it was really interesting to have you on that, and we will have you on board again. But you, you're you're in Poland at the moment, and what's it what's it like in Poland? What's James Bond? What's the reception of James Bond in Poland? Well, the tickets are on sale. I haven't actually bought my ticket yet for the new film, but uh, yeah, there seems to be a bit of excitement. I'm actually um, the boss at a language school. We've got about twenty teachers, most of them from the UK at the moment, and they they all want to get go to see the film. I'm quite excited. They know I'm doing this podcast tonight, and they've asked me questions. They will say hello, by the way. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like any country. I think you know, James Bond is is popular in Poland. Um, and uh, yeah, that's so good to hear because you just don't know, do you? It might be you don't know, but we did mention in the podcast that it's never been filmed in Poland, and uh, I would love, yeah. love to the James Bond series come and actually shoot on location here in Poland would be great. <laughs> Some beautiful places in Poland, so yeah, I don't know why they haven't done that already, but yeah, here's hoping for me to the Czech Republic. Casino Royale was filmed in Czech Republic, but uh, that's yeah. basically the closest it's been to Poland, yeah, posing as Montenegro. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Right, we've also got in this section, we've got the man with the red trousers himself. We've got Chris mm-hmm. Eels, who's uh, also known as 007 Bookshelf on Instagram. So, good evening, Chris. And we can see that bookshelf. Yes, yeah. And it's red. Yeah. So, <laughs> are the trousers red, Chris? Bookshelf goes all... The trousers are not red. They oh. are uh, a lovely shade of beige this evening. <laughs> <laughs> How did you hear about us, uh, Chris? Uh, it was just stumbling through the uh, podcast app on uh, on my iPhone, and it threw up a "you might like this" sort of. <laughs> you've looked into all of these other film film uh, film podcasts, so uh, give this one a try. And uh, yeah, was in deep from the start. The Octopus the uh, episodes and Rob's. Fantastic laugh. Just sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. No apology is necessary. <laughs> it was terrific. Tell me the quiz. 
Brilliant, Chris. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, yeah, another. Get- we'll have you on certainly in the next few months, Chris. It's been really good getting to know you as well. So your your bookshelf accounts. How come it's uh, that and it isn't Chris Eels? What's the difference? Oh no, I uh, it was supposed to be 007 bookshelf across Twitter and Instagram, but unfortunately, before I even managed to post a single tweet, the powers that be decided to uh, pull my account for obscene and abusive uh, <laughs> use. I mean, you know, just because I'm bad mouthing, never say never again. I just <laughs> <laughs> don't know why I'm being uh, don't know being targeted there. No, I. It was supposed to be uh, all about the books of Bond, because as you see with the bookshelf, I've been collecting the different editions since my youth and just going around car boots and uh, charity shops and just getting all the different artwork and then all of the oddities uh, that there are out there. And yeah, slowly the collection has built up and built up. And I just thought, well, I can't do a podcast. Let's, uh, let's do something else. So, uh, yeah, trying to slowly share the artwork and the books with uh, with everyone. Yeah, the, the amount of books and artwork and poster collections that we've got since we started this podcast, it's just it's crazy. It's so exciting getting new Bond books and reading different takes, seeing new photos and like Thunderballs uh, 007 on, online as well. Just incredible images that just get you so in the mood for Bond. Growing up then for you, Chris, who was your favourite Bond? Favourite Bond when I started out was Connery purely because I can remember in my far youth coming home, being out one evening at Christmas and just catching the end of Goldfinger and the jet was flying down. He was sucked out of the airplane and then suddenly him wrapped up in the uh, parachute with uh, pussy galore. I was just, what is this? this is amazing. And then chatting to my father about it and just being like, what, what was this that I just missed? Yeah. Then explaining there are all these other films and they're just getting sucked in and uh, recording them off the TV on bank holiday Mondays. I can still remember being excited that Thunderball was coming on one Easter bank holiday weekend and then trying to time it so that I could not record the commercial breaks. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have had that experience. I can remember doing, uh, the Living Daylights, when it had its uh, ITV premiere, stopped for the record, then trying to start again. So you had a continuous film rather than having all the ad breaks in it. Oh, and they came at annoying times, didn't they? Sometimes, like the Octopussy one got rid of the, and that's for 009. Couldn't be bothered with that lovely yeah. bit. So it's no wonder people yeah. thought Roger was just a joke, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of yeah. your, your bookshelf, what, what, what are your favourite um, Fleming books of the Bond? Favourite Fleming book? Well, I always always read on a Majesty's Secret Service at least once a year. It is such a, such a solid book. Usually I keep it for around Christmas time, just for that uh, dark, festive feel. I think his best book was from Russia with Love. It's just such a... It stands out from all the others. It's got that first half of the conspiracy and then the action, and you know what's going to unfurl, and it's just that... It's almost like a really good Columbo episode. You know the murder has happened, and how is it going to play out? And it's only up until that point when he's in the train carriage with Grant that he's in control. Up until that point, he's just a puppet. Chris, can I ask you, can I chip in and just ask you a question while you're on the theme of the books? Because I've read all the Fleming books a couple of times. 
Well, what's your take on uh, you only live twice? Because I find it just as mad as eggs. <laughs> it, it is a bit crazy. It's in keeping with the progression of the Bond character and certainly in the progression of uh, the Bond films having an influence on Fleming as well. You know, we've just come off the back of Tracy's death. Bond is a mess. He's fallen apart and M is giving him his last chance and yeah it is it is crazy but how else are you going to deal with a bond that's gone to pieces than to send him after someone as crazy as Blofeld in his Blofeld has gone crazy as well let's remember Blofeld's you know, we're all walking the... around in night as dressed as a knight isn't he and <laughs> yeah and we're all sort of it... finds him as a massive coincidence I don't want to do on much of a detail because I know not everyone's read the books but I just always think when I read them all that one stands out to me as like I don't know what Fleming was on but maybe I need to I don't know maybe I need to give it a go because I can't I've not reread that one because I just found it so utterly bizarre I've read all the others several times but I have to give it another go it, it is very bizarre and it is very dark as well when we're reading the sequences go, sort of going through the uh, Garden of Death. Some of the descriptions are quite harrowing. You know, it really is. This is not for kids. And, you know, this is for adults. Uh, I see David nodding. I know he's a big uh, supporter of uh, You're Gonna Live Twice as a novel. It's odd. If you, I would not recommend it as a first Bond book at all. <laughs> You've got to, that's one of the ones that you've got to read in sequence. You know, it is, it is part of the, I've got the book on the bookshelf there, the Spectre Trilogy, which to my mind, it's not really the Spectre Trilogy, it's the Blofeld Trilogy. You know, it's him, it's Bond and Blofeld fighting it out. Spectre only appear in Thunderball. It's arguable that they're not really in on a Majesty's Secret Service, the novel at all. And then of course, they're not at all in You Only Live Twice, it's, Blofeld and Imra in their castle. I'll just chip in one anyway, more and then I'll stop and take off things over. A bit. <laughs> um, just, just because I will just mention this doesn't really need a discussion, but I know Fleming sort of disowned himself from the Spy Love Me novel, um, which is strange. And I can perhaps see why at the time, but actually I think it's a great one, a really great Bond book. I love the Spy Love Me. It's totally different to all the others, um, but I think it's a great one. So if anyone is thinking of reading some Fleming books and they haven't read them, I would put that, that up there as a, just a very different book, but, but really interesting. And strangely, uh, obviously one of the most light-hearted Bond films and yet one of the darkest novels. Anyway. Agree in full there, Steve. Agree in full. You've got the oh, first edition, haven't you, Rob? Or, well, maybe not the first edition, but you've got some... I, I've got an, a very early edition of that one, yeah. yeah. And it's it, it, what shocked me was that Bond wasn't even a character until, you know, like, <laughs> we're nearly at the end. <laughs> so, you know, when I was like 10 reading it, it was like, what? Where's my... Where's the hero? <laughs> yeah. I can imagine people at the time, they probably liked the formula as, you know, we all quite like a bit of a, a formula and it very much goes away from that formula. So perhaps at the time it was almost like Daniel Craig going away from a formula that I enjoy in the films. And uh, so perhaps it was a similar thing with the novels at the time. But in, in retrospect, I think it's a really good, really good book. Sorry, I promised to stop interrupting. No, we, no, we will. No, no we I agree. Totally agree. Totally agree. Totally agree. We will do episodes. We intend to do a series on the books, but goodness me, we just... Got to read them. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you might have noticed. No. Yeah. You noticed. That's yeah. another, another line. Right. And our final final collaborator for this section, which we've pretty much finished. I'll write down a joke. Matt Kanzik, all the way from lovely LA, I believe. Indeed, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Well, not too lovely today. It's a bit cloudy. So. Oh, shame. My heart bleeds. All the, of, all, of all the days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, good to have you back, Matt. And 
we had you on an episode talking about basically three of the greatest songs ever written, didn't we? I think Live and Let Die, License to Kill, and Goldeneye. And well, two, if you two, ask two, me of, to, two, two of the greatest songs yeah, two ever written. Well, yeah. 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 He doesn't like the bridge to Live and Let Die. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's great to have you back, Matt. And uh, yeah, what have you... <laughs> What have you been thinking about No Time to Die? What's it like in America? What's the build-up to that? I mean, honestly, I haven't seen a lot of mention of it, but, you know, it varies so much state-to-state over here in terms of trends and what people can and can't do and all that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it's definitely starting to get more of a push in the last week or so. It's coming up on promoted ads and all that kind of thing here. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see what the few cinemas near me are going to are gonna do by way of, you know, nighttime screenings and all that kind of thing when it actually does come out and you are going to see it I assume. yeah it's <laughs> yeah. no, good just, just checking um yeah. right so let's let's dig into the the 80s themselves so we've got five films in the 80s um john glenn directed them all we've got make it last all night of course made famous by fiori zoli otsbussy a view to a kill which we haven't really covered as much as the other ones yet no, no. Uh, even though it is and we're obsessed with that film as well don't worry and then, of course, the two Timothy Dalton films, um, Living Daylights and License to Kill. Matt, first of all, just while, while you're here, which of those, which of those is your favourite? And I know the answer. Well, you do know the answer. Yeah, obviously, License to Kill. But Living Daylights is a close second for me. Oh, right, OK. Yeah, you, big fan uh, of that. Harry's a massive, he's had a massive resurgence of For Your Eyes Only. So I just want to have a bit of focus no, I, on that. So... That was the one which, thinking back to my youth when, as Chris was saying, the, you know, cassettes and, you know, all, all taped off ITV, it was probably For Your Eyes Only and You Only Live Twice, which were the two which got, they, they required re-records, if I can put it that way, from, from the, uh, you know, overwatching. But yeah, I, I, I loved For Your Eyes Only. I thought it was great. The really, the really dramatic zoom in on her after the the parents' death <laughs> and, the, and the music era. I, I think that was that was probably one of the moments I was hooked on that one. You obviously love Dalton, but you are a Roger fan as well. I'm hoping. Yeah, I mean, he he was the one which my parents liked, so I think that that obviously has an effect on people when they're growing up as well. But I mean, View to a Kill is is very close behind the Dalton films for me. You know, I'm a big Christopher Walken fan anyway, but yeah, I just thought I thought that was a fantastic film. Great music, obviously, but just as a whole, it's it's a really well-rounded film. Glenn, you 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 must have been growing up with these films as a kid on the cinema. What I'm just you know now I think they're like my, that run of John Glenn is my favourite. And what was it like when those were coming out? It must, every two years as well. I completely agree. I mean, purely for nostalgic reasons, one of my favourites has to be Octopussy because it was the very first James Bond film I ever saw in the cinema. I was age six, that gives my age away. And I remember my mum took me to the cinema and it was just it just blew my mind. I was just like, wow, what is this film? Um, and I loved every second of it. And I remember a couple of weeks later seeing a big poster with another different looking James Bond obviously the poster advertising never seen on the game Sean Connery. I was like, no, what's going on? <laughs> Why is there two James Bonds? I was completely confused. Um, and obviously I didn't like that one as much as Octopussy. Octopussy just wowed me. Um, and then when I was 10, I went and saw The Living Daylights. I loved the poster of The Living Daylights, you know, with the gun barrel. It's just such a beautiful poster. And from that moment, I think I went, at the age of 10, I went to the cinema about five times to see The Living Daylights. Oh. So, yeah, 
I love that. And I just didn't get bored, you know. It's quite, for a 10 year old, it's quite a complicated story. <laughs> for a 36 yeah, year old, it's a blooming complicated story, yeah. So. <laughs> Definitely. Sorry, yeah. carry on, Glenn. I, I rudely interrupted you. No, that's all right. I don't know. I'm pretty much confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me, for nostalgia reasons, the living daylights were off the proceed. Um, I saw them both at the cinema and absolutely loved them. Was it weird growing up knowing that Roger Moore was retiring and you're going to get a new bomb? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, it was weird seeing this new Timothy Dalton guy. It's like, you know, completely different person. But I got over that and I, I enjoyed the film as it was, The Living Daylights. And only a few weeks ago, you know this because I posted some pictures on your uh, Facebook page, but uh, I was actually in Vienna and I had to go and see some of the movie locations in The Living Daylights. First of all, we literally just drove up from Croatia. It's about a 10-hour journey and we we're pretty tired. It was pouring with rain. I was like, no, we are going to the you know, the Luna Park to see where they filmed the Living Daylights. And yeah. we saw the, the big Ferris wheel and I really wanted to go on it. And unfortunately, I went there at 9 o'clock at night and it closed at 8.45. Was oh, oh, no. <laughs> I know. I was gutted. And then I rather annoyed my girlfriend by uh, getting her to do a massive detour and drive me to the theatre, the opera house, oh, where yeah. they do that, um, you know, the sniper scene from The Living Daylights. Um, and it's, it's still there. It's obviously, you know, it was filmed in, in Vienna. And uh, I, I looked at the window where Kara comes out with, with the gun, and uh, it's all there. It's, it's brilliant. I know you guys have been there as well, yes? Yeah, well, I, I have with uh, my wife, Jennifer. John, can you please tell us a bit more about your trip if people haven't heard that already? Yes, so we went, me and my wife went into railing for our uh, first year anniversary and it, it coincidentally happened that we <laughs> went to Vienna on the date of our first uh, anniversary and I took her to Mozart's house for a meal for the, the uh, like, uh, celebration. And then Is he a good cook? Took a, Sorry. Mozart, Van, Van Gavri, stick to the piano. And, um, and basically thought I'd take her on a romantic uh, Ferris wheel. Try, tried to win her a, 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 a teddy bear, but that didn't work. <laughs> Took her on the Ferris wheel. Um, and she thought this was all romantic. And she thought it was great. Completely oblivious that it was the one from uh, The Living Daylights. And uh, she put all these pictures on Facebook saying, love my hubby, blah, 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 blah. And I just put one straight of the Ferris wheel and then Thomas and a few others started quoting Living Daylight's quotes back at him. She's like, who's this idiot who's, uh, who's commenting <laughs> on, on my anniversary pictures? It's like, oh, oh, nothing, love. Get over that one. And then she realised that I just completely duped her in going to a James Bond location for our first <laughs> wedding anniversary. Well, you did, you did uh, have another ride on the, uh, the Ferris wheel. <laughs> we, did, we actually, we genuinely, well, no, we didn't. We did go for a midnight coffee at the Prata Cafe though. Oh yes. Were you were you nervous like going through the doors when you came out? Was that, was that was, an edgy thing? I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> petrified. And I and just seeing those balloons on Shayla's screens giving me small small doses of uh, oh. as I'm just looking at them right now. Sneer to be on them. <laughs> yeah. See if people can't see them there. Outside. David as well. Um, you, you look, Shayla, there, look at you? Shayla. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we've got Shayla there it's with the balloon. Uh, yeah. More than one balloon. This is incredible. And David's got the artwork in the background framed with the, with the blue balloon. These are the kind of people we were so glad we've met this year. This is incredible. Look at that. Look at this. 
Yeah. It's just outstanding. At some point, <laughs> Rob, you'll have to get your Wavecrest Dalton uh, picture <laughs> out as well as, you, <laughs> as his customary now. But uh, for the last, yeah, <laughs> absolutely brilliant, guys. So, yeah, well, go back to you, Carrie. Just what was it like for you growing up? Was was Timothy Dalton your first Bond? No, no, Roger Moore was because that was who was in the video shop when um, in half term or bank holidays that we were sent with money, my brother and I, older brother. It wasn't that far. I wasn't horribly neglected as a child. Um, <laughs> and we were sent, you know, and he, you know, Octopussy was the one I think that was there the most for whatever reason. I actually saw sort of the Roger Moore's For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy and A View to a Kill because I guess they were the most recent ones, the most released ones that were in the video shop. So when I sort of discovered Dalton, I think the shock of him is quite important. The sudden. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Gear change, particularly in license to kill um because you can kind of feel the echoes of of the earlier movies in living daylights whereas license to kill feels more um complete as a dalton movie it has a more settled tone winking fish aside perhaps and <laughs> where it's not your sounds like a horrible euphemism i hope you've seen the film because yeah. that, that really yeah, yeah. isn't that doesn't it's not as bad as it sounds <laughs> and, uh, and yeah <laughs> absolutely and of course living daylights as well and i i really grew to love them in that hiatus and i, I bet a lot of people on here are the same is, is the the 1989 to 95 gap is where i became a a, a bond fan it slash you know nut because yeah. there was no new stuff so then i started to watch and re-watch <laughs> and yeah absolutely and um you got it. That was sort of the period where, where I really got into them. But yeah, actually, my, my earliest memories of Roger, and, and you got to love Roger still, because they're, they're just so funny. Um, I will just mention uh, two things, though, because somebody in, in the comments mentioned Never Say Never Again, and I don't hate Never Say Never Again. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. But I, I'm, I'm going to agree with somebody. It's like really, it's actually a pretty solid movie up until, I think, where they blow Fatima up. And then when Fatima dies, it's like the movie just goes off a, off a cliff like Spoiler the horse. Alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Everybody knows this. And the other thing is, I thinking about the 80s, I reread a John Gardner novel. I don't know if anybody's read the John Gardners. I, I haven't read them in 20-odd years. I reread for special services. And good Lord, it was dreadful. I mean, I, I read it. Oh, and I, it, The yeah. plot, I mean, the, I, I still struggle with the Saab thing. 
Yeah, I've literally read it two weeks ago because I bought it from the. Do you know that workshop? The works, that's right, yeah, two quid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Three three books for five quid, and I was on holiday and I needed some reading material, so I yeah. saw that. But the, can I just say there's a, there's a lovely yeah. moment which I think I might have mentioned on Twitter recently. But there's a, the the woman in the room, attractive woman. Bond walks in, and all he says is, "Well," and I was just like. <laughs> That yeah. he's John Garner's just got Roger Moore in his head as he wrote that line, and I loved that. I loved it that he, he was it just it was just well. Um, like, but I won't spoil it. I mean, it's worth picking up because you can pick it up cheap if you've not read one. But uh, the plot was fabulously all over the place. It was, and you know, a Saab. And my granddad had a Saab, which was kind of exciting when I worked that out. And then you say, hang on, my granddad's got a Saab. That's not very sexy. Yeah, but hang on. I uh, had a not to say my granddad wasn't. <laughs> well, there you go. Absolutely. Well, um, my my cars, granddad was in the Navy. So, you know, so <laughs> we had the there you go. Maybe R900 Turbo at the time was very, it, it, yeah. very. Did you yeah. Yeah. Well, and do you know that Saab released a special edition to tie in with the book? I mean, that's how pleased they were to be in it. There was an actual <laughs> big Saab promotional campaign. A bit harsh because they were. They were a well-engineered and 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 cool car, but not. I just can't quite yeah. fix yeah. it in my head. Yeah. The James Bond in one, you know. I was when I read it. I was trying to think what other cars of the day would be. You know, were big cars. I, I'm trying to obviously. I think maybe the Rover 800. I mean, I don't think that would have been any better, would it? This is part of all the companies that went out of business were, were big news then. I'm not so driving Rover a mini metro. I'm not bus. driving a mini metro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there was a Saab in Oxford. There are more John Gardner books than that. <laughs> is it a Saab? Is it a Saab Oxpussy or is it a Lancia? Or is it an Alfa? I think it's a Lancia. Well, it's a Lancia, yeah. They've rebadged it. Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo. Alfa Romeo. It's an Alfa, but there is a Lancia in another another Bond film. But yeah, it's not a Saab. I don't know why did John Gardner get obsessed with Saab? Because there's a whole section in the book in his introduction where he talks about. Like yeah, you're not the only Saab, one obsessed with yeah. Saab, Chris. Steve, <laughs> 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 sorry. Who it's, is the best Saab? Listen, you all need to get down the works. It's like a pound fifty. Get the yeah. book. You'll know what we're talking oh. about. <laughs> it's easy reading. I mean, I, I quite enjoyed it, but I wasn't holding. Everything's good when you're on holiday, isn't it? But uh, it's easy reading. <laughs> no, I, like, I I read it in two in two sittings. It was great fun, but then at the end, I thought that makes that there's some twists in that which are, are just in, incredible. I'm not sure hold together, but just in the background of the, 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 you know, we got the movies in the eighties. We think about that, but yeah, there's the literary bond revives, which again might be something that's a, that's a whole other podcast. And yes, somebody just said, did it have a star a key in the funny place? It did. It locked the um, handbrake, I think. So the key was down in the central column, which is really weird. And I, I did like how he goes into real detail about it, but but because that was a Fleming thing, obviously he, he in the book he goes into real detail, technical detail about cars and everything because he, he loved all that stuff, clothes as well. So obviously Gardner's tried to 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 write like Fleming, which is quite nice. His nod, I, yeah. For it was the best pound fifty I've probably ever spent. So, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> John Garner ones are superb, and we do, we always do the joke about the poor old Felix. So I won't, we won't do that same one again. <laughs> Live and let die, and then license to kill injuries. So, poor guy. But then fishing. Oh, in fact, yes, Rob. I was going to ask you. You had a bit of an idea for potential follow-on to uh, to license to kill. Just tell us about that, Rob. <laughs> this is completely ridiculous. <laughs> right. So, my some will know my job as a. Um, I'm a thriller writer uh, full time. My absolute goal in life obviously, is to carry on the Flemings. 
absolutely. So I'm, I've made it. I've made it very clear to my um, agent and publisher that if this ever came up, slam me in the frame. I want to be in there. I want to be doing it. This is the the ultimate to write Bond in novel form. So <laughs> I don't know how it's got to this. <laughs> this is um, brilliant. You love this. <laughs> So um, the uh, when 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 because I I broached my agent with this topic and she said it's not stupid it's not ridiculous now I know this I can go and talk to the right people so when she said that I was like right okay well let's at least make something is there when they you know if it ever comes up um, and there's a few things uh, a few intellectual properties that have come up that authors get to audition for and I want to be right in the frame when the next chance when Horowitz gives up writing Bond I want to be I want to be there I want to be in that conversation I've been writing something uh... (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah for a a while now and it's just imagining if Bond and Pam married and it's set present day can you imagine how beautiful the kids would be? Oh, oh. Honestly, it makes me sick and I'm making it up, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you'd indulge me a moment, if you'd like to hear this. <laughs> this is, I don't know what to call it, though. I, I, I've just got License to Kill 2 written at the top of this <laughs> Top of the page. I don't know what to call it. I mean, I've written obviously quite a bit of this now, but I don't know what to call it because I can't step away from License to Kill. So, could anyone give, if anyone, when you've listened to this, if anyone can give me a <laughs> Steve Carty yes. man, License to Kill, Too Fast to yeah. Kill, Too yeah. Furious. <laughs> so, right, okay, okay. But I want, I mean, this is this is the kind of audience that I would want this appeal to because I want it's Bond. That this is it. It's about Bond. I've tentatively called this chapter Day's End. <laughs> ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. If you get through this with a straight face, then we're good. Orange bled into indigo, where the sun and sea met, staining the waves below molten, as if just there and there alone, the ocean was on fire. Everywhere else, the dark water chopped and rolled with apparent hostile intent, and clouds black and thick charged corralling the tropical blues of the day to the furthest corners of the horizon. All the while, from the safety of the beach, James Bond watched in silence and hoped. And he wore an... He's... Sorry. (laughs) I bottled it. His hands sat curled into fists in the pockets of cream chinos, themselves rolled to the knee, and he wore a navy cardigan open over a white tee, both flapping in the breeze. In his mouth rested the day's solitary Marlborough, a pleasure he allowed himself, in accordance to his mantra that to deny a man all taste of his vices would render that same man bitter and ever more tempted to abandon himself to them once more. He breathed out and reached for his mobile. As always, reception on the beach, but very little elsewhere, so he thumbed through to the name he was looking for. Pam. It didn't take long, given that there was only a handful of numbers in there, and he wondered if she was on her way back yet. They lived in the beach house behind him, but he wouldn't take his eyes from the horizon, straining for their rented vessel to appear. The right thing and James Bond were curious bedfellows, 
with a love-hate relationship always guided by the overarching shadow of the greater good. But now, in his late 60s, Bond had made peace with where his own line in the sand lay. All the same, in this instance, he was unsure as to what to do. Their outfit, Barrelhead Boat Rentals, named after the bar in which they'd first met properly, despite being in the same room once before, without sharing more than a glance, had four vessels in total, one of which was a 36 Outlaw, the quickest boat they had, which topped out at 82.4 miles per hour. Built by Baja Marine, it could cover huge swathes of the ocean quickly and turn on a fat dime, and would make looking for his customers much easier than just standing there. He often took it out at night to give his blood a taste of the old throttle, but he always squared it with Pam first, going off without her acknowledgement. Not that she was in any way controlling, wasn't something that they did. At their stage in life, with their collective backgrounds in mind, they obeyed an unwritten rule. Both told the other where they were. All times, no exceptions. Late that afternoon, Pam had taken the Suzuki into Bathsheba to collect parcels and order two kilos of mussels for the coming Friday's dinner. It was their turn to host the monthly meeting of the ex-service expats, something James hadn't initially been enthused by, but he thawed with age and with Pam's stiff encouragement. It was for people like them, non-civilians, and while officially they could talk about nothing, they still managed to talk about something. He didn't want to jet off without letting her know. Pam came first, always. The clouds pressed tight, claustrophobic despite being 10,000 feet above the beach. The rain would come very soon. In fact, if he squinted hard at the split of the horizon, he could just make out the dark smudges of rainfall blasting the water. And within it, was that? It was. A boat. More importantly, it was their boat. Forging through the rain, riding the swell, battling hard but making progress. The relief bloomed in James's chest like a spilled drink on a tablecloth. As James lifted his hand high over his head and began to wave, an engine rolled in behind him and came to a stop on the sand with a hiss of grit and a spit of driveway. A soft shadow reached out in front of him, his own, and disappeared as the headlights were doused. He turned. Great timing, darling he said, as his wife Pam stepped out of their tired jeep, a ragged yet bulging tote bag over her shoulder, an unsure smile on her face. Pamela Bond was a woman of statuesque beauty, for whom age had brought a distilled grace, and James adored the very ground she walked on. She wore a floating linen dress in canary yellow, and her hair was still cut Isthmus City short, because it always made James double take. The know-it-alls finding themselves in difficulty, she asked, stepping out onto the beach to join him. Or have we got a set of very bad thieves in our hands? James smiled. She was unflappable, his wife, with humour that somehow shone more the tougher life got. He pointed out at the sea, the dot on the horizon that was growing by the moment. We'll find out very soon, but I'm guessing it's the former. She arrived at his shoulder, leaned into him, her arm intertwining his until their hands met. Having met in the late 80s, they both remained committed to both each other and their respective careers until they could settle down without fear of a tragic call in the middle of the night. 
meeting in their primes was unfortunate, but their devotion to each other was permanent, and they conducted a 20-year love affair, the British spy and the CIA special ops pilot, retiring on the same day and catching a plane to Barbados that same night. It meant that now together at last, they never wasted a day, minute or second. Are we going to charge them extra? She said. You know I would. I know you would. James smiled to himself and turned to peck Pam on the temple. But when he turned to look at the incoming vessel again, he saw something was off. How many went out again? Pam had obviously caught it too. Six. And not one of them was him. Him referred to the man at the helm of their 35-foot 338 bow rider. In a tan jacket with fine strands of hair scraped back across the hairless eggshell of his skull, he stared. He stared with far more composure than any of the six he'd watched leaving the vessel mere hours earlier. His upper lip was lost in a moustache that must have been there since the man's teens, and his jacket carried sweat stains, stick as paint strokes. What are you carrying? James asked. I've got a 38 in the bag, you? Glock 17, rear waistband. We let him get closer? Let's see what he has to say and what he's done with our tourists. Stay close. There we go. Bravo. Super. That was beautiful. You're the first focus poop, fo- focus group here. Like, would that, <laughs> yeah. would you want to read on? Focus poop. So, Rob, I'm, I'm going to read out some of the comments whilst you were reading. Okay. Okay. So, N- Nikolai now needs to buy some of your books. So, well done. You've managed <laughs> yeah. to make some sales. Good lad. Chris Goldie has obviously had a few beers and he says, license to fill my pants. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Royal says you have a very sensual voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Steve Clamp wants you to read to him every night, which I'm sure you'll happily oblige to. Steve, um, you and... tell me when and where, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and David, licensed to queer, thinks that you are the new Tom Hardy for CBBS. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my other ambition. Seriously, I'd love to read on Sea Babies. God bless you, David. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd set up an OnlyFans account if I were you and start doing uh, uh, reading sessions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> Only Pam. Seriously, that's <laughs> you, you know when um, Sorry, Only, Pam, Only Pam's account, <laughs> yeah. absolutely brilliant. No. But you know, like when, so when I get that, if, if that call ever happens, that's what's getting sent to him. So, absolutely brilliant. Great job. God bless and big love. Big love. As an aviation buff, I can only hope that somewhere within the rest of it, there's acknowledgement of the fact they're both pilots as well. I can imagine oh, that being oh, like having, having their own, like, I'm picturing like similar to the end scene of Pearl Harbor, you know, that kind oh. of like <laughs> romantic <laughs> version of flying. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, with the kid in the silhouette. Oh, my word. Exactly. I, I thought, Robert, I thought it was great. It was much more subtle than the scenes I've imagined uh, with Pam. since. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really good, Rob. I, I was surprised. Did you say he's 60? In late 60s, yeah. Late 60s. So I've, got, I've is, gone with really, present really day. Is that, so it is old man Bond in this yes. case. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if they say to me, because I've done a few things for other IPs where... 
the audition has been like, right, could you do it now? But could you do it later? Could you do it earlier? Could you do this, this, this? So I've picked this thing where, right, it, it's, this is what, I, <laughs> this is the mad thing I've picked where I think like there's mileage. I think, I think him and him and Pam are probably the most likely to survive marriage. Seriously. As a couple. It's yeah. interesting that certainly with some of the uh, Bond continuation novels that they've done, you've had Anthony Harowitz and the others sort of picking pot in between the novels. And certainly the latest one, God, I'm going to have to look now, I can't remember it, Forever and a Day, is pre-Casino Royale. Yeah. But they've all kept within the novels. The fact that you're going post-novels, post-movies, but going for the movie aspect as well is, is very original. I've got gone for settling down, Bond. Yeah, no, well, talking about John Gardner earlier, he had uh, Bond settling down with an agent from, going to be corrected, I think it's the Austrian Secret Service, uh, Flicker, I think her name was. Unfortunately, she only lasts two books. So my <laughs> only concern is with you giving Bond and Pam a future like that, how is it going to end? Because unfortunately, oh, gosh, I, I don't know. I think um, there do, is do, I hundred mean, percent bow to your superior knowledge on this one, Chris. So, um, cause no, no, no. Cause I, I don't know either. I think um, I would like this gig in whatever form it comes. And if they, if it's present day, you know, carrying on the current incarnation, that's cool. I just do, you know, I would really like to be in that conversation, but I'd also like to show that there's more, what's the word, strings to the bow than just, you know, that, that there's some imagination behind it and a little bit of Bond lore behind it as well. Um, so not just no, just another sort of thriller writer having a crack at it. Uh, it comes from a place of real love and reverence. That's that's what I'm trying to do here. But um, no, uh, whatever they whatever they say. I mean, uh, when it comes to the Fleming estate, it's like whatever they say. I mean, like how high do you want to jump, Rob? I'll flipping jump as high as they want. Clarify for me. So, in your in your eyes, in this world, with that story, in that Bond world, was licensed to kill the last of his missions? Is that no, where it ended? No, and no, no way. Before? No, no. He carried on for another 20 years and then they had an agreement that if they were both in, you know, fit enough shape to fall for each other, again, I guess. Um, <laughs> I love the idea that... that you know, Sorry, that my mind's both... gone to a filthy place with that statement. No, 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 but like, I, I honestly, I would imagine that um, Pan was forever macking all over the place around <laughs> North America. Uh, Bond was forever macking everywhere. And um, it was just like, look, you're the only person I think I can settle down with. Can we do this? Oh. And then they were like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And wouldn't, it be, wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing if they went and made that film and they got the, the Timothy Dalton and they got Carrie Lowell to do um, the roles as no, all the people as a kind of not an action film, just a totally off the wall, different film. This is where they reunited all those years later. Mate, there's a reason why I wrote it like that because yes, they could still do this right now. We could have my Pam mind, and- my mind's speak- now going to that Timothy Dalton story from Anthony Stark about him on the plane and that <laughs> actually being the end of that. I mean, that's yeah, that's blowing my mind a if little bit. If it's happening, it's happening. If it's happening, it's happening. Brilliant. But definitely, definitely, no, I, I think there's a re- you know, I definitely rather in a, it, it, I'd love to see that. Because it's funny, because whenever they talk about a Bond spin-off, like we had Jinx being floated, that is that it's obviously an action film spin-off spin-off. Well, why not have something that's not an action film? And it's not it's not a big budget, so it's it's a character piece and make a real drama. You know, we're not we're not trying to do yeah. Bond here, because this is Bond as an older guy. It's a totally different thing, but with the original actor. I think that's a, I'm very excited for this. Oh, make sure it happens, Rob. 
someone get John Glenn on the line? No. <laughs> I already Mensab, asked though. whether he'd Mensab. come back and he said no. He said he's gathering <laughs> moss. That was the yeah. thing. So he's got to do the great city. Rob, thanks for that. That's absolutely brilliant. I think we need to start the chat on social media about this because this this could go places. It's brilliant. Well, I think George had said in the in the chat that Brosnan at his age now, there could be some mileage in that. Uh, yes. With him at that age. That's all for part two of our anniversary special, but join us for part three, where we discuss our love for Pierce Brosnan and our love for Tomorrow Never Dies and The World Is Not Enough. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.